Good morning, everybody. Going to start out this morning with a story, one of my faves. I've shared it. I shared it about a year ago or something, but I think it illustrates uh, really well where we're going today. It goes like this. In 1903, a young grocery store clerk named James uh, started a cheese business in a one-horse wagon. In fact, if you jump ahead a couple of slide, a couple of slides here, you can see it. Uh, not too far, though. Um, Anyway, he started this business. To say it was a dismal failure would actually be kind. James continued to push himself, but he grew deeper and deeper in debt. He was young. He was inexperienced. And so he sought the advice of kind of a wise Christian friend. His friend said this. He said, you haven't really included God in your business, his friend observed. You haven't let him take over the work. You've only asked him to be a part of what you're doing and your plans and your purposes. He said, that's not really how God works. This sent young, the young clerk into a tailspin. James was gripped with mixed emotions. On the one hand, he was sort of offended at the directness and the judgment that was laid on him by this friend. And on the other hand, he was struck by his, his friend's care and blunt honesty. It was a pivotal moment for him. Days passed as this young clerk prayed and pondered and thought about what he should do. Should he quit? Should he give up? Should he turn this thing? Finally, he, he crossed a line in the sand, and he wrote his friend back saying, if God wants to run this cheese business, then he can have it, and I'll work for him. From that moment on, that very moment on, God became the senior partner in his business, the chief person consulted in any and every decision. A chair was often left open in meetings, reminding key staff of God's presence and his leadership over the company. Over the months, the business grew and prospered. It eventually became the largest cheese company in the world because this was James Kraft of the Kraft Cheese Company right? Many years later, James Kraft looked back and he said this. I thought this is fascinating. He made this statement. He said, the only investment I ever made, uh, which has paid consistently increasing dividends, is the money that I have given to the Lord. <laughs> now, the defining moment for James Kraft, the defining moment for his business and really for his life was the, was the day he realized that he was merely a manager or a trustee, that everything in his life was on loan from God was to be used for his purposes. When he realized and surrendered to that, everything changed. And in fact, I would say that, that started sort of an upward trajectory in his life. Well, we're on our sixth and final week of a series that we've been doing here at Ignite called, Who Do You Think You Are? <laughs> and this series is all about our identity in Christ, who God says that we are, who he has made us to be, and how life works best. And so, uh, if you're here and you're a follower of Jesus, then these are things that God says to you. This is who He says you are and who He says that I am. And each week we've been looking at one part of that identity in particular. We've looked at all kinds of things from the, the fact that we're children to God, which is something that's really easy to say and say, you're a child of God. But to actually dig into that is life-changing, right? It's a, it's a transformational deal. The first week we talked about the fact that we are worshipers. In fact, it's the purpose of our existence. We are made to worship and to be in relationship with the living God. It's a, it's a transformation kind of deal. Last week we talked about maybe the most controversial of the deal, uh, talking about the fact that we are priests or we are ministers, every one of us. It doesn't matter if you uh, sit out there, if you are up front, if you uh, are, are here or there or anywhere, it makes no difference. If you're a follower of Jesus, then according to the Scriptures, you are a priest. You represent Him. You minister to others uh, and, and, and point them to Jesus. And so we talked about that. This week, I want to wrap up this series by talking about the fact that we are trustees or we are managers of our time, of our talent, and of our treasure. Everything we have 
has been entrusted to us by God, it's, and it's to be used for His purposes. And until we understand that, and until we embrace that and order our lives around it, sort of like James Craft did, we'll, our life will lack purpose and peace and sometimes even joy. But once we grab hold of that, it's life-changing, right? It, it'll, it'll transform our lives. If you've got your Bibles, I want you to open them up to Matthew chapter 25 today. Otherwise, you can follow along in the Ignite Church app. We'll also put them up on the screens. It's a pretty lengthy passage. Uh, it's a story. It's a parable that Jesus told. And so we're going to read through it, and then I'm going to talk about a few things uh, from there uh, during our time together. It starts out this, Matthew 25, starting with verse 14, says this, Again, it, he's talking about the kingdom of God, life with God, so to speak. He says, again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one, he gave five bags of gold, or five, it's the technical term is talents of gold. To another, two bags, and to yet another, one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one that had two bags of gold uh, gained two more. But the man who had received only one bag went off, he dug a hole in the ground, and he hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. Verse 20, the man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. And his master looked to them and he replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. Can I hit pause for one second? This is just a freebie. But sometimes I think, I love this lesson. It's, it's like the little big principle. He says, you have been faithful with little and so I'm going to give you more. Sometimes we as a culture are so hungry for more, for the future, for bigger things and broader things, but we forget that the path to those things is by being faithful with what God has given you right now, right? Has He given you little? It doesn't matter how little or how much. Has He given you little? Be faithful with, with what He's entrusted to you. And He says, I will, I will put you in charge of more. I will entrust more to your hands. Let's keep going. Um, few things, come and share in your master's happiness. Then after that, the man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. Again, you have been faithful a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. Come and share in my joy, is what it literally means. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seeds. So I was afraid, and I went out, and I hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed? To which it's sort of like, yeah, right. But anyway, <laughs> but verse 27, then, well, then you should have at least put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. For whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they do have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. 
All right. Now, before we jump into this kind of a somber ending, yeah, can everybody say gulp? Gulp, right? I mean, it's kind of that kind of thing. Before we jump into the story, I just want to point out one thing because it would be real easy to hear this part of God's book, to hear this story, this parable from the lips of Jesus and think, oh, this is about being good enough or not being good enough to end up in heaven, to be worthy of his kingdom. And let me just say, that's totally not, circle not, what he's talking about. Jesus and the entire Bible makes it abundantly clear that there is nothing that we can do to earn God's forgiveness, to earn his favor, to earn his love, to earn heaven or anything like that. We don't deserve it. None of that stuff. It's all given to us by grace that we receive by putting our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ, period, right? That's it. It's not about us being good enough to deserve it or earn it or anything like that. This story, this parable is actually smack dab in the middle of several different stories that Jesus told, encouraging his followers to live in such a way that they were ready, that they would be ready and know they were ready for his return. In each of these stories, there are genuine followers and there are counterfeit followers of Jesus. Those that say they're Christians, like so many in our culture that say, oh yeah, I'm a Christian, right? But, but actually haven't opened up their hearts and lives to Christ. And so, so he's kind of pointing out some of the differences and giving us a picture of what, what authentic Christianity really looks like, what it really looks like to live out our faith in Christ. So he's not saying, if you do enough, then maybe you'll get into my kingdom. No, he's saying the opposite. Jesus is talking about those who are truly Christ followers, those that follow him and love him and are filled with his spirit, are fully surrendered to him and are living their lives as trustees or managers of all that he's entrusted to them. He's saying, you'll be able to spot the real deal because they'll invest their lives into my kingdom because they'll have a different perspective. They'll be living for a different purpose than the rest of the world. He's like, you'll, it'll be real easy to spot them because they will be, be pouring out their talents and their gifts and their abilities in ways that advance God's agenda and his purposes and his plans in this world. They'll live their lives being faithful to what has been entrusted to them. Talents, treasure, abilities, all that kind of stuff. All right, so for the rest of the time, uh, hopefully you're hearing this and seeing this kind of thing, this, this whole idea that that Jesus is teaching in this parable, but, but teaches actually throughout the Bible, that, that part of our identity, part of the core of who we are, if you're a follower of Christ, then everything that has been given to you is on loan. <laughs> it's a trust that's been given into our care, and we are to, to be faithful trustees or managers or stewards is another one of those. We're, we're to live this, use the time, the talent, the treasure that's been entrusted to us to advance God's purpose, to make him famous, so to speak, to, to let his glory and his personhood be seen. And as we do that, we step into the identity that we're made for. And I'll tell you what, it's a, it's a heck of a ride. It's a, it is. It's a great, it's a great ride. You never know what God is going to do. Well, I'll tell you what, for in the rest of our time, I just want to kind of pull out three different aspects of the story and kind of focus in on them. The first one is, is, just goes along with the main point. It says this, God has entrusted time, talent, and treasure to you to be used for His purposes. He has lent them to us, uh, and one day we will have to give an account for those things uh, before God, right? But, but, but we have been given a trust, so to speak. In this story, God entrusts the servants with a huge sum of money, piles of gold. They're known as talents, uh, translated as bags of gold here. And he leaves them in charge of him while he's on a journey, it says, right? While, while he's absent. 
Now, they know what the master expects. The master expects them to use what has been given to them for his purposes, for his good, for his benefit. They understand that they were merely managers of what the master had entrusted to them, and they would one day have to give an account. Now, a little background here. Uh, we've talked about it before, and uh, you've probably heard it at different times, but a talent here, is that a, a, a little bit of money or a lot of money? A lot of money, right? A talent, the word biblically that's used here, scholars guess it would be between 10 and 20 years wages in that day. It, it was a stockpile of silver or gold that maybe weighed somewhere around 80 pounds. That's one talent. 80 pounds of gold. How much do you think that would be worth today? be a truckload, right? We're probably talking hundreds of thousands of dollars. 80, here, here's 80 pounds of gold, <sighs> right? I mean, imagine that, or, or two talents, or three talents, or five talents. That's a whole heck of a lot of money. It's a, it's a huge amount that was entrusted to them. And the, the story goes on, it says two of the three immediately go and put, start putting this stuff to work. They understand how this works. They're like, we've been given a trust and we've got to prove faithful. And so they start putting to work. Who knows what they did? But they are investing this money to earn more. One of them maybe starts putting them into some secure mutual funds or something, right? Constantly keeping an eye on the, on the stock market so that they don't lose what has been entrusted to them. Another one maybe, who knows, uh, start a startup company of some, some sorts. And he's hustling uh, to try and make uh, a good return for the master. We have no idea exactly what they do, but uh, they go out and they start doing it immediately. Maybe they took some risks. They maybe lent out some money, getting paid back with interest. Maybe, I, I'm sure they spent time praying and planning and trying to figure out what was the best way to use what had been entrusted to them for the master's purposes, for the master's good. By the time the master returns, they doubled their money. They doubled the money that had been entrusted to them. That's pretty cool, right? Been entrusted with five talents, five bags of gold. Here's five more. Been entrusted with two, uh, two bags of gold, two talents. Here's two more. Kind of the point of that part, right? Jesus is, is telling this story. He's saying, that's what it's like with my followers, right? You have been entrusted with time, a certain amount of time, with talent, with relationships, with treasure, with all kinds of stuff, and I have given it to you to be used for my purposes. Now, does that, even, even uh, in this story, right, are there expenses maybe that the, uh, the uh, servants would have had? You think they need to eat? You think they need to pay rent? You think they need to, sure. I mean, there's some of those kinds of things that are built in. Do they draw a little salary or something maybe? Per, sure, right, of course there's some of those, but they understand that it is not their money. It is not the time that belongs to them. It's not their talents that belong to them. It, is, it has been entrusted to them for a specific purpose, and they'll have to give an account. Can I just pause and just say, man, I wonder how often you and I think about our lives that way. When we get a bonus check, is that, woohoo, I got a bonus check. I can go blow it on whatever I want at the end of the year. Or is it, man, God has given this to me. I wonder how he wants me to use it. Or, man, I've got, you know, leadership skills, or I've got these kind of talents and these kinds of experiences. I could go out and do something great for myself or my family. I could, I could make a lot of money at work. I could be successful and climb the ladder. Do we think, is, this is mine, is, I own it. Or is it that God has, has entrusted those things into your care for His purposes? Do you spend time actually stepping back and thinking, God, what do you want me to do with what you have entrusted me, with the life you've given me? You have specifically placed me 
in this job or in this neighborhood or in who knows what, in this line at the store even, He's specifically placed you there for His purposes. How does God want to use me? What opportunities has, do you see what I'm talking about? It's a, it's a, it's totally countercultural, right? It's a, it's, a, it's a drastic shift from a culture where we say it's all about me, right? To, to saying, actually, it's all about Him. Everything I have is, has been given to me by God. How do you want, God, how do you want to use me for your purposes? Man, I'm telling you what, when we start grabbing a hold of this, it will change our lives. And I have to say, it makes all of life an adventure. So often I hear people that, that uh, talk about just the feeling, a feeling of purposelessness in their lives, right? Of just, and I get it. I mean, sometimes we get, grow tired and weary of just punching the clock or going to work or sitting behind a desk or whatever or sitting behind a machine or a press or something. We're doing the thing and we're doing it over and over and over and over and we can sometimes be like, man, this is, this is just drudgery. And it's, or even stay-at-home moms, right? We're like, if you have to change one more diaper or correct a two-year-old or one more time or whatever, I'm going to lose it. But I'm telling you what, we start to understand that everything has been entrusted to us by God for a purpose, for His purpose, it changes things. All of a sudden, your kids are a trust. All of a sudden, your job is a trust. And you know what? Maybe you're not there specifically just to make a buck. <laughs> this is the transformational part. It goes back, kind of ties into what we talked about last week. But maybe God has put you there to point people back to Him, to minister to them, to, to pray for them, to care for them. What if all of a sudden all of life has purpose? All of a sudden, the living God has put you there and has entrusted those relationships to you. And you need to prove faithful with little or big. Maybe we'll keep going. <laughs> um, blah, 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 blah. Should I keep going? I think we'll keep going. Um, <laughs> I got all kinds of more stuff I could say, but I, for the, maybe we'll keep going. <laughs> um, I'll tell you what. Uh, We'll just keep going. Second one, we're going to just jump ahead. So the, that, that first one uh, is God is, has given talents and time and treasure. To you. He's, they are on loan from Him, and He's given them to you for His specific purposes. Let's live our lives wisely. Live our lives in light of that. Second one is uh, you, and again, these all go hand in hand, but you have an actual unique role uh, and custom fit to play in God's design and in His plan. What, what I think is interesting in this story is that God specifically gave certain amounts and certain talents to certain specific people, right? He says, each according to their ability. He looked at one and said, you know what, I think you can handle this. And so he entrusted five talents to one. He looked at the other one and said, you know what, I think I'm going to entrust two talents to you. I'm going to trust one talent to you. It says, each according to their ability. Now, I, I do have to say, and I, I get this, our tendency is for us to start looking this way, be like, well, how come he got five and I only got two? Or how come he got two and I only got... It, it's real easy to compare, but I, uh, let's go back to the first. You are not responsible for how your neighbor uses what's been entrusted to them, right? You're not responsible for second-guessing what God has entrusted to you and say, well, I didn't get as much as the last... Right? I mean, it, no, you are res only responsible for what God has given you. 
He has given you relationships. He maybe has given you a family. He's maybe put you around certain people. He's given you talents, abilities, funds, possessions, all that kind of stuff. And you are responsible for using what has uniquely been designed and given to you for his purposes. Like I said earlier, if, you're, if, you, if you want more than what you currently have, you know what the answer is? It's not to go clawing and scraping and trying to get it on your own. It's be faithful with what God has entrusted to you right now. Yes, one day you want to be the boss, and maybe you want to be the CEO, or maybe you want to make more money, or maybe you want to whatever. Be faithful with what God has asked you to do right now. Why? Because he has, he has put you in a specific, a unique, and an important role for his kingdom. He's put you there on purpose. I remember, there's, I got all kinds of stories, all kinds of examples of this kind of thing, but, but I, I'll tell you what, I was thinking, uh, remembering a time up in Wisconsin, we had uh, a family that was really involved, actually one of the guys was the worst, one of the couple was a worship leader, another one was in, in charge of our first impressions team, super involved in the church, they went through a hard time, he lost his job, and then they had a car that completely just took a dump, right? <laughs> it just broke down, and it was done, and they were stressed out of their minds kind of thing, and, uh, and I remember uh, there was one, uh, another couple, another family in the church that they were not rich, believe me when I say that, they were like totally blue-collar, uh, salt-of-the-earth kind of people, but uh, God prompted them and kind of tapped them on the back and said, you know what, uh, I want you to, to buy them a new car, and, uh, and so uh, they went out and bought as nice as they could of a, of a used car and got it. There was a, a couple other gearheads in the church that got, got uh, under the hood and fixed it all up and replaced all kinds of things that needed to get replaced. Uh, there were some people that came out, washed it and waxed it and got it looking like a million bucks. And then one, one Sunday after church, uh, uh, they, they were handed a string, this, this uh, couple that was super involved in the church was handed a string and said, I want you to follow this string and see where it leads. And they'd used, I don't know, a thousand yards of string or something. It went all <laughs> over the, the church grounds and everything through the parking lot, kind of wove throughout, and it came to this car, and there was a note on there that said, basically, this is, this is from Jesus, you know, for you. And uh, I'll, I'll tell you what, it was, it was amazing. I mean, first of all, uh, they were glowing. I mean, can you imagine? It was, it was a pretty cool deal. But, but second of all, it was also neat uh, just to see uh, it really brought life to the church. And I tell you, it's one of those things that's, that's weird because you can look at any piece of that and say, I mean, you could just be like, well, I don't have enough money to, to, to buy somebody a car, right? Maybe God's giving you the tails to fix it up, right? Maybe God's, maybe God's going to prompt you and say, you know what? You do have the money. I want you to pull some of your savings and I want you to, or whatever, and I want you to give to this specific need. Now, sometimes we think of that as being like, well, that's like crazy. Like, who would do such a thing? I'll tell you what, I think it should be normal in the kingdom of God. You start reading about the early church in the book of Acts, and that kind of thing happened, right? It said, hey, somebody in need? Okay, well, somebody that owned a house or property or land or a car, not the New Testament church, but right, it's that kind of thing, sold it and gave the possessions to anybody that had need in the church, right? They just said, that's the normal kind of thing to do. Why? Because we're not owners. We are trustees, right? We're managers. So, yeah, if we live our, I get that it's countercultural, but if we live our lives like that, man, imagine if God taps us on the shoulder and says, you know what, I want you to give your TV to them. I want you to give your car to them. I want you to give some money to help them. I want you to, this is, a, of course we do that. Why? Because we recognize that everything we have is on loan from God, and it's to be used for His purposes. You see that? 
And not only that, but God may have specifically given something to you that he hasn't given to anybody else. He's given you a talent or a treasure or a possession or whatever, and, and he's given it to you for a reason, a specific reason. And he wants it to be used for his purposes and his glory and his kingdom. Isn't that cool? Again, all of a sudden, everything can have meaning <laughs> because the, li the living God is tapping you on the shoulder saying, hey, I want you to serve them. I want you to love them. I want you to point them to you. I want you to give to them. I want you to... What? It doesn't matter because we are stewards. We are trustees. We are managers. And everything we have, everything we are has been given to us by God. You see it? It's a significant deal. Oh, I do have one more example, too, one more story. I will share because I like stories. But uh, this one uh, is also a fave of mine. It's from Howard Hendricks. He talks about telling a, taking a flight one time on American Airlines, and he talks about there was a guy a couple rows up who was just a jerk, right, one of those kind of guys. He was giving everybody around him a hard time, and uh, especially the flight attendant, just giving her crap about all kinds of things. And uh, then he, he thought it would be a good idea to start getting those little bottles of alcohol, and so he's throwing back alcohol so he gets drunk and it just gets worse and worse and worse until the guy is just a monster, right? And, and Howard Hendricks talks about, he's like, I'm watching this flight attendant that just keeps treating him with grace and love and whatever. He's like, after about 20 minutes of this, he goes, she went back to the, what do they call it, galley or whatever, in back. And he's like, I'm, I'm going to follow her. <laughs> so he went back, he's like, hey, I've been watching how you've been doing this, and I am amazed. He's like, I'm a frequent flyer with uh, American, and I just want, if I can, I'd like to get your name, because I would like to write a note to American Airlines just to give praise to, to you and just saying, man, you, this woman has done an amazing job. And, and, and uh, this was her response. I thought this was great. She said, well, I thank you for that, sir. But you need to understand that I don't work for American Airlines. He said, I kind of stumbled and said, you don't? And she said, no. She says, no, sir. No, sir. I work for Jesus Christ, and he's the one that helps me be patient with people. Isn't that great? An ordinary person who got up in the morning and said, God, I'm yours. I understand that everything you've given, people, skills, grace, strength, time, talent, it's all from you. Use me for your purposes. Use me for your glory. Imagine a church full of people that live their lives that way. Imagine, I mean, imagine the church in Illinois, the church in America, the church globally. What would it look like if we lived our lives and really believed, not just here, but in the real world, in our hearts, in our hands, if we really believed that everything we had had been given to us, even the annoying person or the, the rude person, what if God had specifically put you there for such a time as this, to make a difference in their life, to point them and those around them to Jesus. Imagine what it would be like if a room full of us said, you know, I'm going to embrace my identity as a manager and I'm going to live this out for his kingdom and for his glory and for his good plans because I belong to him. Oh, it's good stuff. All right. Third thing I'll just mention is do something with what he has entrusted to you. Now, let me just ask a question here. The man who was entrusted with one bag of gold, with one talent in the story, what was he reprimanded for? He was reprimanded for doing nothing, right? He was like, 
you wicked and lazy. So yeah, little gold star next to your name. <laughs> but he was reprimanded for doing the, the sort of the call of the passage. Jesus is saying is, would you do something, right, with what I have entrusted to you? I have given you so much because there's no, none of this, like, well, I only got one bag of gold. It's, it's only 80 pounds of gold, right? I only got I only got a little bit. He's given you so much, so much to the servant. He's saying, boy, would you do something? Put it to work for my kingdom and for my purposes. Would you do something with all that I have entrusted to you? I'll tell you what, friends. There's a... Uh, <laughs> It's easy for us to think, well, that, that's great. What does that actually look like? What does that actually mean? And uh, uh, to, 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 put, to put to work what has been entrusted to me, what does that look like? Let me just, uh, I'm kind of going backwards a little bit, but if we're supposed to do something, what would that look like? Now, let me just, the, the very next story after this parable is, a, is another parable that Jesus tells uh, about the sheep and the goats. Some of us might have heard of that before. And he talks about and says, when you get to the end of time, right, and, and you have to stand before God, he's like, you're, we're going to separate the real stuff from the unreal, like those that are really Christ followers from those that aren't. And I'm going to separate them like a shepherd would separate sheep and goats. I'm going to put one on one side and one on the other. And uh, when it gets down to it, he says, he's saying, this is how you'll recognize them. This is how you'll recognize the real McCoy, those that are truly Christ followers. And he starts saying stuff like this. They're going to be people that, uh, that served and cared for and loved and gave to those that are in need, those that are in prison, those that are estranged and on the outskirts, kind of the outcasts of society. You'll recognize them because they will be living their lives fundamentally differently from everybody else, right? Instead of having it be about me and my comfort and my possessions and my whatever, they will understand and adopt their role as trustees or as stewards or as managers, and they will live their lives using the resources that, that I have entrusted to them for my people to advance my mission, to help people come and meet Jesus, right? To help people be cared for that are desperately in need, to clothe those who are naked, to feed those who are hungry, right? To visit those who are lonely. It's like, you want to know what it looks like to, to, to live for my kingdom? It's that. To use what's been entrusted to you for my purposes? It's that. It's, it's those kinds of things, using everything that's been entrusted to you to advance His cause and His purposes and His agenda. And again, I'll come back and balance, but do I really have to? Right? I'll come back and balance and say, yes, now does that mean are we going to still need to pay our rent and put food on? Of course we are. I don't think any of us are in danger of caring for ourselves too little. That's not, as, as Americans, that's not really our thing, is it? Occasionally, that's a, that's a thing. But oftentimes, we are so much about gimme, 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 mine, 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 that we neglect the other. And so this parable, this story, the lesson straight from the list, would you do something? Would you, would you take what has been entrusted to you and use it to the best of your ability and do something? Use it for my kingdom, for my plans, for my purposes. All right, little application, and I will kind of wrap us up for today. 
I'll tell you what, friends, some of us are here this morning, and um, it, it's hard to give application in one, in one snapshot because we're all over the spectrum, right, in, in terms of where we are, walks of life, what's happening in our lives. So maybe you're here this morning, and, and the truth be told, you're just kind of checking out this Christianity thing, checking out this Jesus thing, and, uh, and, and you're like, <laughs> I don't know, this is kind of pegging my weird meter a little bit. I'm not sure about all this stewardship and giving the whole thing to, to Jesus. Maybe that's not, uh, maybe that's not uh, what God's saying to you today, but I'll tell you what. Ignite is a great place for you. If you are here just kind of checking out what, this, what it means and looks like to follow Jesus, this is a church designed for that. We would love to walk with you. We'd love to help you. We'd love to, to have a coffee with you or whatever else and talk more about growing in that relationship with Jesus and finding out uh, his plans for you and his purposes for you and what he has in store. Maybe today your next step is to, to have a cup of coffee with me, or maybe it's, maybe it's to, to open up this book and say, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually do a little investigating on my own. Maybe I open it up to uh, the New Testament, the, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, one of those. Uh, I always encourage people in either Luke or John uh, to kind of start there and start reading through just a little bit and learn about this Jesus for yourself. Maybe, maybe you need to do something by opening up this book and saying, you know, I'm going to check out Jesus for myself. I'm going to see if, if if he's worth following, if he's worth going all in with. I'm going to kind of dip my toe in the water first. And if so, do it. Put it to good use. Put it to good work. Check it out and see if he won't prove faithful. Maybe you're here today and you're like, man, we're talking a good game about God using us and doing all this kind of stuff. You're like, the truth be told, I'm not even sure God can use me. I've screwed up time and time and time again. He doesn't to say that I've got a talent that's been entrusted to me, it's, it feels more like a quarter, right? I guess that's, that's the sum total of everything. I'm not sure I have enough that God can use me. And I just want to speak to that for a minute if I can, because sometimes I think we, we take ourselves out of the game with that kind of thinking. And I want you to hear and know and be reminded this morning that it is not about you being good enough to earn God's favor. It's not about you being deserving of His grace or His forgiveness. The Bible teaches us again and again that we are all messed up, that we are a wreck on our own, and that our only and best hope for eternity, for life, for relationship with God, for being filled and used and all that kind of stuff, we are 100% dependent on His forgiveness and His grace that's been made available to us by Jesus. And all it takes is a word from you, an act of faith in some way, to turn in our hearts, to turn Godward and say, Jesus, I need you. Would you come and would you forgive me and wash me and make me clean? Would you come and be my God and the leader of my life? And I'll tell you what, friends, the moment you do that, from a biblical perspective, as we put our faith in him, we are forgiven. Our past is put behind us. We are made new and we are in great standing with God. And he's got, he's got better plans for you. He has more in store to do in you and through you than you could ever possibly imagine. It's sweet. It's the good stuff. I, I love uh, the way the, the master talks. He says, come and share in your master's happiness. You know what? Today, the living God is speaking to you and, and, and drawing you and saying, come and share in my happiness. I have great stuff in store for you if you would just come and walk with me. If you would just come and follow me, if you'd come and bathe in my grace, right, and experience my forgiveness, and then learn to follow me step by step, day after day. So maybe that's what God's asking you to do. Just open up your heart to him. Crack the door of your heart to him. Maybe you're a Christ follower and you're here, and if you're honest, you'd say, you know, pretty much all of my time, my treasure, my talent, I, I use almost 
all of it in my own pursuits. I, I use almost all of it for my own desires and my own wants and my own needs and my own dreams. And maybe today the living God is saying, would you do something? Would you open up your hands? Would you open up your hearts? And maybe for the first time, maybe for the thousandth time, I don't know, but, but just open up and say, God, forgive me, first of all, for making my life all about me. I want to surrender. I want to open up my life to you and say, Jesus, would you come and would you teach me to live my life as a faithful trustee, as a faithful manager, as a faithful steward? I don't want to squander my life. I don't want to live my life in vain. I don't want, I don't want to at the end see that I've, I've wasted the sum total of my entire life. I want to live my life for your plans and your purposes. Everything I have is from you. So teach me how to, how to use it, how to use what you've entrusted to me for your purposes, I am in. Maybe that's what God's nudging you today. Maybe that's what needs to happen as you open up your heart and your life to Him. Maybe there's somebody around you, a neighbor, a coworker, who knows, a student, a roommate, a family member. Maybe there's somebody around you that's going through a rough time, and maybe God has put you in their life for a reason. And maybe today God's nudging you and saying, would you go and care for them? Maybe it, that's probably going to show up in your pocketbook in some ways, in your, in your wallet, you know, your debit card. Maybe it's helping them out with some groceries. Maybe they need a friend, and it's just inviting them over and loving them. Maybe they need you to come around them and pray for them. Maybe they need you to, to invite them to ignite or invite them to Jesus and start pointing them in the right direction and say, man, God loves you so much. He's got great stuff in store for you. If you would just turn and, and put your faith and trust in Him, Maybe there's something specific like, why? Because he's put you there for a reason, on purpose, right? He has good plans for you, and he wants to use you. Maybe he's nudging you today and saying, you need to get involved with serving the poor, and if so, can I just insert a shameless plug right here? Next Saturday morning, right, 9.30, uh, loaves and fish, there's a sign-up sheet on the back table. Sign up for that. We're, we're hoping to take a group of maybe a dozen or two of us over and help feed people in the area that are homeless, that are desperately in need. It's a way that we can be the church. It's a way that we can take the time that has been entrusted to us and the talents or whatever availability even and use it for God's kingdom. And certainly today as we take our annual Compassion Fund offering, it's a way we've been asking you for the last few weeks, would you pray? Would you open up your hands and your heart and say, God, everything I have is from you. So, what would you have me give above and beyond my regular tithes, or, uh, my regular giving to you? What would you have me give above and beyond to help, you know, to, to help people in the area that are experiencing significant financial need? Maybe people that can't afford groceries or whose power is getting turned off or whatever else. Is there something? God, what would you have me do? And again, this is a no-brainer for us. Why? Be, why? Because everything we have is from Him and it's to be used for His purposes. So would you open up your hands and your heart today? And my prayer has been that we would just come and give whatever He's instructed for His purposes and His plans. Well, friends, I don't know how God might be prompting you today, but, but the challenge from God's book, the, the challenge from the Scriptures, would you do something? Would you put into practice um, the faith that we're talking about? Would you, would you take a step? Would you take a risk and use what's been entrusted to you for His kingdom? Let's close in prayer. God, that's our, our cry this morning. That's our prayer, is that you would use us um, for
for your plans and purposes. God, we surrender. We want to open up our hands and our hearts. Pray that you would have your way. Again, forgive us, God, for, for you making so much of life about us and me and all that stuff. Instead, would you forgive us? Would you pour out your grace? Would you draw us close? And then would you send us out from here on mission for, to live for you and with you, to, to use all that you've entrusted to, into our care to advance your glory and your fame and your mission and your plans. We love you, God. We need you. We lift all these things up in Jesus' name. Amen.